Hello, lovely people. Welcome to our episode two of the Testimony Show. And we're going to be talking about some really important topics. Um, right now, what we're doing is we're sharing this out to our network. So we get started. It's going to be me and my mom. And I'm so excited for her to be here. So I'm just sharing this out. And we're going to be talking about a very important talk topic. And it's going to be talking about childhood depression. So um, we're going to get started. Um, waiting for my mom to be able to navigate to the queue. Uh, one second, let me see. And when I tell y'all that <laughs> childhood depression is something that I actually experienced. Um, give you again, the premise of our show is we're just talking about sharing our life stories, things that we experience personally. So we're coming straight from, we're shooting straight from the hip. Um, and we always want to give glory to God because he's the one that brought us here. Um, and our last episode, it was literally, literally just an overview. And it was amazing because a lot of people um, well received. I'm going to go ahead and bring my mom to the stage, but it was very well received considering that that was just an overview and a lot of people described it as very raw and open and it's just amazing because we we just want to thank God because let me tell you, we didn't know we were going to be here in this place doing what we're doing now, but I think we have to do, as Brother Tariko said, um, normalize having hard conversations and me and my mom, we have we have come so far in our relationship because we always like lead with truth. We've created a safe space for us to be able to talk together and get started. Um, you know, for us to get closer, we just we we came our each other's safe space to really talk about the things that we had taken years hiding away. Um, and it brought us so far that we're so comfortable to be able to provide a safe place for you as well. Um, trigger warnings, we will be talking about childhood depression, so and we will be talking about suicide as well as abuse. So we're trying to do our best to make sure that we give you the understanding of what this show is about. And I want to welcome to my to the stage my mom. Hey mom. Hey Maya. How are you? It's just great to have this opportunity to come uh, in this space with you this evening. And as you just said a moment ago, um, we, we are very thankful to God that he has been able to bring us to this place. We were able to talk to each other in such a real and candid way. And uh, I think this topic, I know rather, this topic needs to be talked about more. Um, I applaud your bravery for uh, taking it on. Me and you have talked about this previously that at some point we were going to share this um, this story, our story of your own experience with childhood depression and um, I'm going to be coming from the perspective as a parent for the most part of the conversation, you know, what it was like um, from, from the parent perspective. So I'm just thankful that we have this opportunity for all of you that are listening to talk about this topic with you and we both pray that you'll find something that we can talk about that'll be meaningful and helpful to you. Thanks so much, Mom. Um, so giving just a clip format of what the show is going to be, um, it's going to be an hour of me and my mom talking. And so if you're in the queue, 
don't worry. Uh, we're definitely going to be here. We encourage you to stay and listen in. We will be allowing people to come to the stage at the end of our talk and be able to add in some feedback, ask questions, share their, their testimony, their story, and all those in between. And so, yeah, um, basically, uh, we kind of left off last week, y'all, knowing about um, that I grew up in an abusive environment from my dad and my mom um, was there present with me. And we have experienced a lot of parallelism in our lives. When I tell you um, she's experienced, I've experienced a lot of things that she has. And I'm also just telling you that, hey, we've been able to overcome it. I mean, down from, I mean, it's, it's very bizarre, but we've been able to under, you know, to uncover that a lot of it was generational curses. Like these things that we don't talk about, guys, a lot of it, if you don't overcome it, you will be giving to your kids. And that's just part of the way life goes. Like, and that's just not because we're unlucky or these different things, but um, it's a principle and it's a law um, that God, that he has created. And that's just the way things go that whatever you do, God will visit the son, the sins of the son, not only to the third generation. So that's your grandkids, and your great-grandkids, but to the fourth generation and beyond. So it's not just curses. So I want you to understand that generational curses is one side of the coin because there's also generational blessings. But what we experienced a lot of the patterns that I had going, I was going through in my life was because of a lot of generational curses. Um, I was telling you last week how I had the experience of demons can cast out of me and it was revealed that 90% of the issues that I had in my life 95, almost 97% of the issues I had in my life was because of generational curses. And a lot of them got broken off me um, this year. And so, uh, again, trigger warning, we're just letting you know, um, when we talk about these hard issues, we understand, guys, We this is not common for us to really have this form and really talk about it. And at any time, Mom, if you wanna ask me some questions, you definitely can. Um, she's gonna be giving her, I'm gonna give my account and she's gonna kind of bring it in like from a parental perspective because um and i can just i'm just going to start out by tell, telling you how i got to this point and so me this is all about overcoming childhood depression um when i was 12 years old a lot of things happened to me at the age of 12 that i really think contributed to my depression and it was like it was literally, and it was interesting. God was just helping me bring to my memory all those different events. And so you have to understand when I was 12 years old, we had moved from a neighborhood that I had grew up a lot of time in my life to the other side of town. And I was, so all the friends and people I knew, I no longer had. Um, the first year that was, I went to school, I was fifth grade, I was in fifth grade and I experienced a lot of popularity. I had a lot of friends. I never went without friends, okay, when I was in fifth grade. Um, my birthday party came, a lot of people showed up, had a, so many gifts, like all these things. I always had friends. Um, when I when I moved, it was actually a good experience. And then, so you have to understand, between that time in elementary school, um, fifth grade, I was transitioning now to sixth grade. And that meant I was going to middle school and I had no idea. And a lot of you might not know that sixth grade is that year a lot of things changed. Um, when I went to sixth grade, 
I mean, not only was I changing like schools, um, grades, friends, I was changing like as a person, as a woman, as a young woman, because I was hitting puberty. So I gained almost 40 pounds that that same year, um, experiencing puberty, um, had a lot of acne, um, but I was the same person. I loved to have fun. I was still pretty active. And I went into this new environment and I just didn't understand, you know, how this was gonna be different from last year. Uh, quickly, I was hit with like a rude awakening that I was very different. People made fun of me in school because of how I looked. I never really cared, like really thought that much into it, but um, I just remember I had a really hard time making friends. I had like one friend that entire year, a guy named um, Donovan, and we would hang out. And from there, well, well, it wasn't him yet. It was another girl, but she herself, well, I had one friend that came for me from fifth grade. And the crazy thing is when she, when we transitioned into sixth grade and went to a new school, she completely abandoned me as a friend. And I remember that was the first year, my birthday's in March. I had my birthday party and I had invited like all these people and people that I thought was pretty cool. Like, uh, again, I experienced the year before having dang near the whole class come. And that same, that year in sixth grade, not one person came to my birthday party. And it really just hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, man, I don't have any friends. What is this like? It was so strange. I mean, and on top of it, when I would go to school, I was very into my grades. So I was nerdy, I was chubby, had acne, and very became insecure because also during the same time, so that was what was happening on the school end. Um, at home, my home life was not helping at all. So at home, and me and my mom talk about this, we're not sure exactly what triggered it, but I think um, a lot of it just is just how it transpired is that when I became 12 years old is the year that my dad stopped having a relationship with me. Um, I used to be like connected to my dad, always going, he's always outside, always doing some home, like home improvement projects, landscaping, whatever. And I was the person that I was just always there to do whatever. So if you need to kill ant mounds, you know, you know, th you know, dig up trunk trees, cut up whatever. I was just always there along the ride. But that year, it changed, and he stopped talking with me. He stopped wanting me to be around. I mean, I would offer to help. He would just say, "No, you should just be inside." And it was just very strange. But then it was also the same year he started beating me. So, I mean, from what we can only understand, it just seems like he was punishing me for becoming starting to become a young woman, which obviously <laughs> I had no, you know, I had nothing that I, I mean, I had no say so in that. That was just a way part of life. And so this is the same year he started beating me. And I remember the pain I felt, like I felt so like confused, like confused first, because I was like, what has changed? I'm the same person. Obviously I look different because puberty hit like a brick wall and you know that's just part of life but not only that i'm not even i'm not accepted at school cool 
Um, but I also wasn't accepted at my home for my own dad. And so I began to internalize a lot of what was being said about me. Like I didn't see myself. I promise like, I never saw myself other than how I'd always seen myself was I was just a beautiful girl. Like I just was always happy. I did my own thing. Me and my sisters were real close. We always hung out and I have two younger sisters. And it was very interesting because when I when I went to school, see, y'all don't understand when, when your kids go to sixth grade, a lot of different things happen. A lot of kids, like, it's the time period where they're most, like, <laughs> they're really cruel, they're rude, they're crazy, like, they're wild, they're more angry. And so a lot of people I was meeting that was, that I would remotely call a friend, they were also kids that were abused. Um, one girl I knew, we were real close, um, she she constantly was cutting herself. Um, another girl, she was trying to become transgender. Another girl was just like fighting people. Like so, it was so wild to me because I here I am, this like nerdy girl, this nerdy black girl at that, um, going to a school where it was all about academics. I was I was making straight A's the entire time. But I remember starting to really feel depressed. And, and it was a very slow, gradually, gradual thing. I mean, I would go from, I tried to talk to people and I couldn't have friends, like I, we weren't talking. I would try to spend time with people and then we, they would flake on me. And I started to really think like, I think that's really when my dad and even different members of my family started making fun of my, and these are all adults, by the way, that were making fun of my appearance, I really internalized it. So I was like, I'm ugly, I'm fat, like I'm not attractive, like I'm not worthy. Like these are the things that was constantly being played in my head, like I'm not lovable. Like it just escalated. Like I remember it was just a bunch of uns, like unlovable, unattractive, unworthy, and the next thing I know, I remember the day that I kind of looked up at my situation. I was really deep into it because I remember waking up and I didn't see color anymore. And I don't mean like race. I'm talking about literally, I only saw the color gray in my days. Like I wasn't seeing color anymore. And I mean, I'm talking about straight up, literally I wasn't because I would, wake up and I was literally getting to the point of like what is the point like me imagine at 12 years old having an existential crisis like I literally was like what is the point of this I'm getting good grades at school I made straight A's so what you would call that clinically I was a high functioning depressive person like I can do and act the same as anyone else but inside I was slowly but surely dying um I remember like drawing away from my sisters because I knew something was wrong with me, but I didn't want them to see me the way I didn't want them to see bad. They didn't want, I didn't want them to see me like that. I remember hating myself, like literally looking at myself and say, I hate you. Like you're ugly, like all these things. And now I've come and understand as an adult, that wasn't me. Those are demons that were tormenting me. And so I literally, 
um, in my mind, I would look at myself and I'm talking about literally seeing gray. I was just so disgusting. Like I just looked like the way I looked at myself, I just couldn't see how anybody would love me because my dad stopped loving me. And on top of it, he was beating me and laughing and making, he was having, taking joy from my pain, right? And it was something interesting. It got to the point I was, it was just so bad that I really, I, I and, and granted, I grew up in a mildly, like, knowing who God was, but I didn't really have a relationship with him. We weren't really in church like that. And so I didn't understand these things, but at the same time, I have to look at how God still saved me even in that situation because I had a grand, my grandfather, my mom's dad, he was a pastor and he would pick me up from school um, and he would take me home. And I, and I just didn't really have much to say. During that time period, I wasn't very vocal. I didn't say much. I didn't talk to anybody really because everybody really, I just feel like everybody stopped talking to me and nobody saw me. That's when I really started saying, yeah, I'm, I'm invisible. But he would always like just say these random things all of a sudden about God. And I would always be like really curious, like, okay, that's interesting. I've never heard that. But I didn't know how to relate it to my situation. But me looking back, that was just sowing seeds um, because then what ended up saving me was really my mom. Like my mom was the one that saw me and it, it really changed me because I'm telling y'all, like, so my dad had this, he had this weird thing where he, he really like tortured, like he really tormented us. Like, well, I mean, anybody that goes through puberty, you already know you hate puberty. You hate how you look, you hate how you feel. You're uncomfortable in your body because your body's constantly changing. But then to get beat for it, to get punished for it was a whole nother thing. And so he would do this thing where it's funny now, but it's crazy because he would make me and my sisters walk around the neighborhood as our form of daily exercise. And granted, we was at school, we were still exercising, we were in gym all the time, but it wasn't enough for him. And so I remember it got so bad that I was literally praying that God would allow a car to, to hit me. And I remember one time I slightly walked in front of a car and the car did almost hit me, but I mean, it was going so slow, it wouldn't have hit me even if it tried. But I was like, oh my God, I actually got happy from the thought of being hit by this car. And it's amazing how the devil really can turn, take, it's, he's all about stealing your life. And I had no idea what was the value of my life, what was the purpose. I just was like, okay, this is what it's gonna be. Like, this is what it is. I'm only 12, I don't have any friends. The only friends that I had were two cats that we had named um, <laughs> named S'mores and Pepsi. S'mores was, uh, that was my boy. He would always hang out with me. I could rub him and then Pepsi was his, like his twin brother, but he was too bougie for me. Like he always, <laughs> he always was getting into stuff, but I was always, I think that's why I developed my love for animals because we always connected. They always knew when I felt some type of way and they would always come rub up against me and love me. But then at the same time, I was like, wow, nobody else. Like, I'm only worthy to even be loved by just animals. Like, that's it, nobody cares. I had no friends. 
the few got people that I consider friends, like they were dealing with so much of their own like stuff, like they couldn't help me. Like they were in abusive homes too. They were like con- contemplating suicide too. They were going through some type of identity crisis too. And so it was just um, like a perfect storm. And so my mom, like she could start. So mom, like one of the things I always wondered is like, how did you as a parent, like what triggered you to start seeing me? Cause it wasn't like, I really just came out and told my mom, she actually came to me first and was like, she kind of gave me a space to talk about it. And I'm like, mom, what was that? Like, what did you see? Like what happened? Cause I don't remember like what happened that you actually became involved in the situation because I'm telling you guys, I had been depressed for an entire six months. And by the end of it, that I was really getting to suicidal, it actually was um, summer break. So I was really in it just 24 hours in the environment I grew up in and around my dad and now just intensified. So yeah, mom, what what triggered that? Like what as a parent, like I don't remember, cause you didn't like. Well, I can definitely say that even thinking about it now, I get a little choked up about it because um, as a parent, I did not know per se that, you know, you were depressed. What I saw was my firstborn daughter was not as happy, um, not as bubbly, not as talkative as you had always been. And so I knew something was going on, but I could not necessarily put my finger on it. And I definitely had no concept of you having about the suicide. And it wasn't 10 years later that we opened up that fact to me that it actually was just dribbling and, and just so, I was just taken aback by the fact that you told me, hey, you know, back then I was thinking about actually killing myself or wishing that something that had happened to me. And I cannot say and will not say that I knew that at that time. Um, only thing that I know is like I said a moment ago, just were not that firstborn dog of mine that I had watched go up to that point. And so I, I kept on um, trying to figure out, and I did definitely do a lot of training in terms of, I just was, you know, like, God, what do I do? Um, I can remember you coming home and you know, as I always did with the chickens were growing up, you know, I tried to do that check-in with y'all. You know, how was your day? What's going on? You know, what happened today? And I could remember the pain I felt as a parent. You could tell, oh, I didn't have anybody to even eat lunch with today. And I don't know um, if there are any parents listening, but if you have ever been in a situation where you feel so helpless when your child tells you something of that magnitude because what can you do about the school environment, right? You know, I couldn't go to school and make people talk to her and I couldn't, I couldn't change that necessarily and I felt so helpless on that point because I couldn't figure out what was going on. And as you said a moment ago, it wasn't as if she had not had friends prior to this. And so she was just my same beautiful daughter and I knew you know, PD was hard, I mean, school was hard, and like she said, you know, we had um, put her in a different school, 
and we really did that at the attempt of, as most parents do, you know, wanting her to have this high-quality education. We uh, actually, because she, she qualified for the magnet school uh, within the, the city in which, in which we live, we just wanted her to have the best opportunity she could have. And so I know from the way she was kind of navigating throughout her day, she just didn't have that glow. She didn't have that smile. Yes, she was doing her work. You know, yes, she was, you know, making the cut as a student. But I was trying to figure out, you know, what could I do? What do you do when the child says, I don't have to drink? And, you know, what you do when, you know, your child says, well, I had to eat lunch by myself today. And then she began to tell me about, you know, some of the things the other students were saying. And, and as she said, um, children can be very, very cool. <laughs> I mean, they can say things um, that you just wouldn't imagine. And, and keep in mind, we're talking, um, this is many years ago. We're not, this is before cyberbullying era that we're going to now. This is before the social media, this is before all the so this is back when bullying was more or less, you know, what someone said or what two or three people or, or four or five people got together and, you know, made a joke about you on the bus and everyone laughed and, and this is the isolation of when you're walking down the hall and you see the girls snigger and they just walk past you, you know they're talking about you um, and you have nobody there to, to actually, you know, take up for you. That's, that's what... That's the time when my, you know, was destroyed. So it's way before all the stuff that we are dealing with now. But it did not lessen her her pain. It did not lessen her thoughts of as she shared of man, you know, what what is my work? So I remember every single day, you know, for the most part she would go in her room, she would kinda of close her door and and that was honestly kind of a survival mode for all of us in that home at the time. As she shared her her father was one that kind of it was a kind of her father was one that that actually sought out how to make everybody in the house including um, as unhappy as he possibly could. So we all, including myself, developed the survival mechanism of let's just stay out of his way as much as possible. So she would go to her room, her kids would go to their room, I would go um, and get involved in something you know, as I could. I, I was um, teaching at the time, at career and education, and so I just tried to keep my mind on whatever I could that was positive to keep myself going. And so I would go into my room every single day, and I would just, you know, how are you? Are you okay? You know, do you want to talk about it? Because I could see, I could see, I could see the fact that she was not this bubbly, happy child. I knew she wasn't. And the only thing I knew to do was to tell her every day that I loved her. You know, that I would go to her, I love her. Um, need to talk out here. And I would remember um, giving her a, a book about, you know, uh, giving her a, a book uh, um, helping her know her work, you know, a book that had, you know, prayers and scriptures, and because, again, I was trying to save her, not knowing that she had any thoughts of suicide, but definitely knowing that she was not in a, in a happy place, and so as far as, you know, what made me see her is because she was my own.
and we had that connection. We've always had that type of connection that I could, I can, you know, can feel her. I can feel her issues. I can feel going to things. Um, and so I could not pinpoint exactly, but I knew she needed to know how much she was loved and valued. And, and it may seem like, you know, it, it was such a small thing, but my herself again told me so many years later that that I actually in my own way actually saved her life, which again was breathtaking to me because I went in every day and told her I loved her. And although um she necessarily didn't respond all the time, I just was determined for her to know every single day that she definitely was loved. And then I prayed. I just prayed that God did you know, let her know how valuable she was with his eyesight. And keep in mind, I was going through my own um, issues with self, you know, self-confidence. And I was struggling my, in my own way because of the, the environment that we were living in. But I did not want to lose her. I did not want to lose her. I did not want to lose her sister. So I, I told her I loved her every day. I did daily check-ins and I did a lot of prayer. Look, mom, you're not lying. You know, I was just remembering like that moment that really changed for me. It's like she she printed out this poem and it was about my identity, like identity as a woman, like you are fearfully, wonderfully made, all these different things. And she was like, Maya, I want you to start saying this to yourself every day. And it was so small, like I remember it because my mom, she has been saying these this whole time, but see the, the spirit of depression, it blinds you, you don't hear anything because you got one person saying it, it makes you feel like okay, you, you when you go back by yourself, you're getting tormented and getting told all these other things, like, no, you're ugly or you're disgusting, like, nobody will love you. Like, she's saying, she's just saying that because she has to say that as a mom. Like, I mean, it was real. Like, it was so real. Like, so I was getting bullied at school. I was getting bullied at my house by my dad. And mind you, my mom did not know my dad was beating me at the time. So... That didn't, and when I, when that started happening, I thought everybody just knew, but they didn't, couldn't do anything about it because he was terrorizing them too. But I was the only child that he beat like that. I was the only one that he would get by him. Like he didn't do that to my other siblings. um, Based on our conversations as adults, they didn't even have an idea. So nobody knew. And my mom, she didn't know because she was doing her thing. But he didn't tell her. See, I always thought he would tell her because I assumed that they were married. But no, he didn't tell her any of this until like later I told her. And it was way, it was after he had passed. And so these things were happening. And then on top, so I'm getting bullied at school. I'm getting bullied like at my house by my own parent. And then I'm getting bullied by my demons, like when I'm by myself. So I had nowhere to escape. So the only thing I could think was to get out like to get out of life like I was like I gotta get away from this I remember my mom it was like the the day of summer vacation she actually picked me up from school when we got out and she was like look you know you've done so well in school but I want you to realize like you know we're gonna try to have fun this summer and you don't have to just work like I worked 
my defense mechanism a lot of times when things don't go through my life is to distract myself from work and I worked and I made straight A's so I'm telling you sometimes your kid could be making the best grades they could be doing all and they're really on the verge of suicide like I was that person nobody knew until I started opening up and so I what happened was that we had a conversation my mom for whatever reason, this is the day that things start changing. For whatever reason, my mom had a little bit more time than usual. I was always upstairs on the computer and doing stuff, but she needed a computer. And it was just me and her. And we started to talk. Like we actually, she had more time. Cause my mom was busy. She used to do things. But again, she was also trying to escape. She would teach summer school and different things. But whatever reason, she had more time that day and i don't know how the conversation started but she was just did her check-in with me and she was talking to me and i was like okay and so she started asking me this and i used to tell her she would say she loved me and i would be like i don't know why you're even saying that you just have to say that like you know i used to have i used to would always come back when anybody tried to do something for me because I was not believing it. I couldn't believe it because my demons were had convinced me that that was, that was the truth. I couldn't be loved. Like even my own mom, she just had to do it. And she was like, no, I don't. This is what it is. And she started really breaking down to me what God said, who God said I was. Like she said, don't you know that you're fearfully and wonderfully made? And I'm telling you, it's like, I'm telling you, I'm already seeing gray. I mean, literally, I was like seeing gray. I was barely, was barely like there. I really, at that point, feel like I was very demon, demonized. I was very like not in my own body. I really felt disconnected. Like there was even times that I was looking in the mirror of myself when I would get in the room and punch myself. Like, like literally punch myself because I hated how I looked. I hated it like I would have dreams about me like just because I hated it so bad and and they had convinced me of all these things and so my mom was like don't you know that and I was like no I don't I never I never even heard of that but that that small piece of words started to crack open it was like the door of light started to come in and so I was very became interested I was like I've never heard that and then it took me on this journey to start reading my Bible. And I was like really learning more about God. And then she, then on top of the, the poem she told me to read, she gave me this song by Kirk Franklin to this day. This this song to this day always makes me cry, but it was, I mean, lyric by lyric, my life. And it was called Imagine Me. And that song was talking about imagine me being free, being, heal and all these different things and I had no idea that was really a thing like but it was like it was speaking to me and songs have all God has always used songs to speak to me even to this day like I'll hear a song and I know God's trying to sh like he's trying to deliver a message to me so that song I would and I was very much into music I've always been into music always loved music and I would listen to whatever but that song was instantly added to my playlist and I listened to it every day. I spoke that that poem every day and things started to change. And I remember by the end of summer, like not only 
it was so interesting. So I had gained all that weight from puberty and all this. But by summer, the end of the summer, I had officially given my life to Christ. Like literally in my own time, like bowed down, gave my life to Christ. Like Jesus, you, I believe in you. I believe this. I believe you love me. I believe. So when I tell you God is a friend to the friendless, a father to the father, like when I felt like I didn't have anyone, like I had Christ. He was my only friend at that time. The only one I ever had. My mom opened the door. So my, my grandpa, he like sold the seed. My mom watered the seed and God indeed got the increase because it was like by the end of it, I started, my mind started changing. I started actually believing it. I started believing, okay, yeah, I'm fearfully wonderfully made. Yeah, I'm like actually lovable. Like, yeah, I'm actually a, like, God really put some time into me. Like my life isn't worth throwing away. And I started to read my word all the time. I just ate my word like it was like eating <laughs> like a buffet. And I also was like working out. I started working out on my own and I got like really fit. Um, I just was, it became like a part of my healing. Like even to the day, I, I'm very connected with my body and always is part of my healing process, me taking care of my health. But it like really changed me. And so that same time, and it's funny, I didn't connect this to last week when we were kind of talking about my dad, but that same time he was beating me, I had gotten enough strength through the power of God to say, because he was always talking about, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. And his word, it literally had 365 scriptures of not being afraid and that he's there with you. And so I remember that moment. I mean, like when I tell you, like I was able to see so much spiritually, that's why I've been able to always see spiritually now is because Jesus was with me. And so I remember, you know what? He's gonna come beat me today for whatever reason. And I'm not gonna be afraid. He's gonna, and I had a game plan. I knew in my soul he's gonna do it. But I was like, Jesus, you say you're gonna be there with me. So I'm gonna believe it. And literally I, I committed to myself, no matter how much it hurt, I wasn't gonna cry. And then things happened. Like he beat me and all this and I didn't cry. And that was the last time I ever got beat by him. The last time he ever put his hands on me. And I have to give God glory. He's like bringing this all back because it was like, you know, you go through so much, like trying to dig that back. I was like, wow, God is real. Like I was like, Jesus is real. God is real. He, he did this for me. Like he stopped me from doing this. I always would start doing these little like tests like God, okay, if you real, like be here for me. Stop my daddy from beating me. Like, and it worked every time. Like I got, I had like my life changed, and my mom had put me on this path. And so at six, like in sixth grade, twelfth grade, twelve years old, going to thirteen, like I officially was saved. Like I had given my life to Christ on my own time, not in church, not a pastor, not like it was just me reading my Bible, and I had that personal relationship. And I really started to believe who I was. I mean, so many things changed. Like, it was really great. Um, and I just think about that time because there's definitely been other times that I've been through depression. And we'll, we'll kind of go through those as we get through this because we're kind of really just taking you through a journey of our lives. But being a child that went through that, I, and like now I always think, man, the devil really must have 
really was trying to beat what he was really trying to destroy like whatever God had for me because I was like man I must have been somebody really high on his radar for him to try to get me when I was so young because I didn't know any of this I didn't even know this stuff but I got like that situation turned me to get saved turned me to get healthy turned me to all these different things I actually reconnected with my siblings the next year because this whole year I was trying to stay away from them. Like I was trying not to like let whatever I was going through spill over into them. And you know, they were like younger, but at the same time we started really connecting more. Like I was feeling like somebody they could actually look up to again. And that was like so life changing. But I'm telling you guys like, Y'all underestimate the power of just a word from God. It can change your life. I'm here because I'm telling you, I was literally like, Lord, let me get hit by a car. Because I just wasn't at the point to want to kill my, like, literally, like, in my life like that. But I wanted it to happen indirectly or whatever. But it was, like, amazing. Um, You know, it was just amazing how going from this, to the whole new mindset. So like when seventh grade hit, I was more fit. I was instantly able to connect more people. And I had this peace that I remember I was really into peace. Like I had bought like peace symbols and all this other stuff. And I was just really into God's peace. I was like, no, I was just so happy, so much peace. I just want to help people. I, I was like, I didn't even need friends and I didn't even need friends. And then that's when I had friends. Like, people were, like, flocking to me. All my friends were older, so I was automatically cooler than everybody because all my friends were older than me. Like, all my friends was, like, a, a year older than me. Every single one of them were oh, a year older than me. And it was just, like, but I didn't need it. I was just on my own path. But my mom, like, she was so instrumental. And I'm telling you, sometimes, like, like, don't ever... we talk about this idea of like really going with your gut right like whatever like and I'm just like mom like how did you know like to give me that verse like that song like because I feel like that can really change somebody's lives like some of y'all have gotten like started thinking about people and y'all neglect to pray for them and y'all neglect to like talk call them and I'm telling you y'all could be really saving people's lives because God is doing something like when he does that. And I'm telling you, my mom, her listening, her just doing those two simple things, it really saved my life. I'm not kidding, like it saved my life because I was already like, rec- like I was already somebody that would like to be by themselves because of how I grew up. I really was like self-protective, but I could, those things were something I could do by myself. Like I didn't have to go to counseling, you know, I didn't have to do all this, like, open stuff. I could do the work by myself, and I was able to come back so strong, and it was just, it was freaking amazing. It was awesome. So, um, yeah, like, I'm just like, what made you get that scripture? Like, what, how did you know? I'm telling you, I just be like, how did my mom, the exact song I needed, exact poem she said like all the right things and I mean she was telling you like she was she's not perfect like but she just listened I just have to think maybe she just listened like like just tell us mom like how did you 
like navigate that like how what was on your mind to give me those things because I'm telling you she had no idea I was going through that much but when I really broke down that day and I told her I remember she just cried she looked confused like what I didn't even know half this was going on but I just told her yeah I really mom I don't like myself I don't I didn't tell her I wanted to kill myself and all that I just was telling her I wasn't happy I just didn't like myself and I'm just like wow like how did you know to give me that right like that exact thing I need it just amazed me to this day like man it was exactly the right song words all of that well I can say my I didn't I didn't have you know uh, a guidebook I didn't have you know step one two three or you know how to be the person can and the truth of it is as parents none of us do I give all going on to God because I just knew I had to do something and I can definitely say talk about your grandfather uh, which was my father and I can say I'm so thankful that the first book that he gave me was a Bible and in his own way he painted those things in me and that is what I can look back on and know that that's what God told me that I need to also do with you and I just want to say um, we we don't sometimes, I know I didn't at that time, don't really realize the power and the magnitude of God's work, you know, because it's his work. And he said he watches over his work to perform. And as I began to uh, develop my own relationship closer with God, and he began to open up things to me, he kept on, instead of this day, reminding me, you know, you don't have to work my work. You don't have to caress it. You know, you don't have to uh, add to it. You don't have to, you know, yell at it, scream at it. You just need to sow it. You just need to plant it because it's my word. And therefore, I'm going to watch over it because it's the word that I've given. And so I didn't know, you know, so it wasn't that I just can, I can definitely and will not take any of God's glory and say, oh, yeah, you know, I woke up and I said, this is the very thing that I'm going to do for my today. I did know. I did know. It's nothing but God himself. Because what I did know is that um, you were paying my, that's what I knew. And and so I started to, to again, I was praying and I was, um, you know, just asking God to show me what I could do so that you could be happy once again. And so when you said that song, uh, like Kurt Franklin, you know, I didn't know that, um, that that was the song that, that helped you at that time. That's, that's the song that I've been singing many times myself about imagine me. And so I can just say and encourage all uh, parents who might be listening if you notice. I think, I think I would, I think I will say that, um, you know, as far as owning to your child's space, be in that space, you know, be in that space because if you, if you heard Maya say she was upstairs, you know, and, and she was often by herself. And that particular day, um, I had more time. I had more time. And so I just want to encourage any of you that are listening at our parents that if you notice, you know, your children, or maybe you might not notice, but uh, please don't forsake to check me, you know, the, the, because again, it, it, it wasn't something that, um, you know, every day we set aside this time, we can have these long 20 minute talks. It was nothing like that at all. As she said, you know, I was working summer school and I was doing different things, and, but yet, 
um, there was definitely not this concept where, you know, they could go to the room and close the door and I couldn't go in. You know, that, that just didn't exist in our household. And um, as I moved further into my own journey as an educator, um, when I was going through college, I, you know, got a degree in psychology and, and became a teacher. And, and I've always been drawn to children. And, and the, the thing that you don't want to do is lose your own, right? You know, you're teaching and you're out there helping other children, but God forbid your own children at, at your own home suffering, and she was. And so it's only by the grace of God that I even, you know, gave her that poem that she said makes me so much to her, or that I gave her that song because it was nothing uh, other than the leading of God to, to do that. But please, um, you know, obviously people from one parent to another, don't get in your get in your children's space. You know, get in their space. Go go to them and do the check in and, and tell them that you that you love them. And and like I said, um, it wasn't until all of this wonderful world of technology that I came from the perspective of an educator watching so many children being bullied now with you know cyber bullying and all these other things that. Um, that are really the enemy is, is really crafty on how he is going about trying to take our children. And so, like I said earlier, not only now, you know, the face to face doing in the group, now we have the group mentality online and, you know, on social media and Facebook and all these other sites. And, and I guess, uh, you know, an athlete from a parental point of view, from an educator point of view, from an adult to an adult point of view to please get in your children's face in a way that reminds them that, hey, you know, I'm the adult and I have a responsibility. Not a, you know, as parents, we have a responsibility to reach out to our children. And we have a responsibility that even when they, as my dad, you know, and I did again, didn't know at the time, um, that, that, you know, we, we go in and say, you know, hey, uh, this one you know that I'm here, and it may not seem like they're listening because, like my said, it wasn't that every time that I went to her room, you know, she said, "Oh, mom, that's so wonderful." You know, sometimes she just kind of looked at me, um, and you know, sometimes she was kind of nodding. Um, but it wasn't her responsibility to respond to me; it was my responsibility to go to her because I'm the parent, right? And so, you know. If you have that, that child that, you know, is in the room all the time and they never are talking, uh, I encourage you to please, you know, start doing whatever you can to have that open dialogue. And, and, and you know, you go in and say, hey, you know, what's going on? And this and just constantly, because it was every single day that I was determined that she heard from me that I love you. I love you. I love it. And you see what she said, even at that time, in her mind, that couldn't even have been a truth for her because she didn't feel the love. And, and I didn't know, you know, that her dad was being her at that time. I didn't know all that was going on. But I definitely knew the power because I had at least had that when I was growing up. And, you know, that I was loved. And so, you know, depression is definitely a thing that you feel, you know, 
you feel and it's not based on what's rational it's not based on the truth because really that's from the enemy itself so uh, you know so you can so often here as my talked about the you know, seeing the gray and not seeing color and when i had my own um my own times when i could definitely say i went through a, a series a period of depression um you just have a nothing just a nothing you know just feel that there's just nothing you know no real spark no real light no real nothing to look forward to no real hope and it is only by the grace of god himself that can pull us from that dark place because god is our creator and he's the one that trades us for himself to bring him glory to each and every one of us is most definitely loved by him. And so it, you know, it's that thing where you can't always let it be led by our children. Our children are tricky, you know, they come and they go up and down, in and out, round and around. But God's word is not tricky, you know. God's word doesn't change. And so not know at the time how powerful that was, but just wanted her to know how God saw her. It was my objective. The reason why I, you know, was like, okay, my, you are fearfully wonderfully made, because I wanted her to know beyond me that God was going to create her. And because he was created her, she even was and still is fearfully and wonderfully made by him. And at the same time, I was um, learning how to walk in that truth for myself. As difficult as the environment was that we were living in, I too had to hold on to the work because that's really all I had. And, you know, so, so from your children, um, as Maya does, uh, it, it's hard as a parent to feel like you can't be the superhero. You know, it's, it's hard to know that there's things that you're going through that they're talking to you about. You know, that, that transition from childhood, you know, when you're coming in, you know, telling you, you know, oh, yeah, mom, it's half a day. You know, I talk to there, there, and this, you know, they're doing everything. And you feel so connected, you feel empowered, because you have all this dialogue going on. And then, yes, true, when you hit, and, um, you know, sometimes in the best situation, you know, they may become a little bit more distant. They may not want to tell you every single thing that's going on. And uh, we just, as parents, just want to stay in the place of not taking it personally, so to speak. You know, if that makes sense, you know, we don't make it to be defensive and, you know, trying to, to force it. And um, you just go in the space, just give them the love, pray. Um, I cannot regenerate that enough because I did not know all what was going on, but I did know how to, you know, pray and ask God to give me the wisdom as a mother on how to help her, and and that's what I did to encourage you to pray, um, and you give those those scriptures. Even even just one, you know, and you just so see in God, as she said, you know, her grandfather, uh, you know, was the one planted and by His grace I watered, and it was Him that gave the increase. It was him that came to her and and showed her truthfully that she is fearfully wanted to be made. And I'm so thankful because I cannot imagine 
I just can't imagine um, what I would have done if, if that happened to her at that time. Uh, because she even told me um, years later when we had this talk about she had plans to run away. So I don't know if you, if you remember that, but I, you told me about how you had planned it and what you were thinking of doing. And so we do know that there are, are young people that are doing that. And, and so uh, can you enlighten us a little bit more about my process you have about running away that you got to do? Oh, man, look, it just hit me like a wave. You're so right. I did. Because what was happening at my house, like at our house, it was just ridiculous. I, I was like, I got to get out of here. So that's why I was saying I was trying to find an escape. So I was getting to the point like I started to fantasize about running away. So it was kind of like I was flirting with suicide, but really hardcore fantasizing about running away. Well, I totally forgot about that. Like. See, that's what I'm saying. Guys kind of bringing these things back. Like, I think that really helps somebody because I remember what, like, based on what was happening, I was just sitting in this situation where I didn't have any power. Like, I just felt like I was lost. And I would remember, like, man, I can start getting some clothes together. Like, I could just get my backpack. And I was thinking about kind of, like, where or how I would do it. And I was like, ooh, the best way I could definitely run away was like on those walks that we did. Like I was really thinking like, all I had to do was go on one of these walks, but I was like, my dad would notice, you know, if I had like a backpack or something. And so I was still working out the details, but I was like, man, I could just get something, like hide it in my clothes. I was really thinking like, you know, I could get, I could run away. And I was like, where I was going to stay at, I, I didn't even think that far. I was like, I was going to figure something out. Like, but it was definitely hardcore. I mean, I think I was, I was thinking about going to stay with a friend or like, like somewhere because I just didn't want to get found. But again, like flirting with the idea of running away while you're suicidal and like in a depressive state, like that's like, like a, almost a mute point because at the end of the day it was the whole point was to get me even further isolated to kill or get me somewhere to be killed and so I mean it's so it's crazy I totally forgot about that thanks for bringing it to my mind because like when you run like I think the best way to really describe anybody that knows about when you're being depressed is this feeling you're really depressed like she said you first of all you have no hope so I didn't know what was the point I just wasn't feeling like there was any point to anything like my school I didn't get it and so even like I told mom like different seasons of my life comes like I can't even draw anymore and I've been drawing since I was like knee high to a grasshopper <laughs> okay so I literally wasn't even doing that anymore I just found no point and so me getting my identity and God really helped me because I was like my new purpose was to help people that was what I got from my personal relationship with God. Like me really just starting to get my word, but like depression makes you feel like for people that don't know about depression, like a lot of people have, they know because it's so common for us to now kind of talk about it. But for a lot of people, depression makes you feel like literally like trapped. You feel trapped in your own life. 
soul. It's like, I can't get that. Like, you're looking like, I can't get out. Like, what is the point? You feel trapped in your life. And that's how I felt. Like, I mean, in many many ways, I was. I mean, I was a kid. I had no power. I was in the house. I was like, nobody can do anything. And I was getting to that point. Like, that's why she's right. I did want to run away because I was like, man, I try to. But I was still working out the kinks. I was still working out the details. Like, man, I got to find somewhere I can go. But I was just imagining I could get pretty far just on foot to just figure something out as I go along. I mean, as an adult now, I mean, it was just a fantasy because I had no resources to really do anything, but that's what made it even worse. So a lot of kids, like when we talk about childhood depression, like they don't have any power. They're in a household, like they're a kid, they're constantly reminding their kid, and that's what it is. I mean, I see my mom's times going out but we just wanted to do this because we wanted to really bring to light. I mean, mom, I can bring you back. And we want to open up like the floor for anybody that wants to comment. They want to share their experiences. Like we can have an exchange because a lot of people deal with depression and we've been trying to do our best to stay mindful of, of everyone because we understand, but we we're trying to bring this to light because a lot of people don't know this. I mean, some of you might have kids and, and I, just like she said, if you're not paying attention to your child, like, I'm telling you, like, things happen so quick. Like, in the course of six months, I was already from being, like, pretty normal, like, hey, whatever, to being straight up, like, ready to kill myself, like, ready for somebody to come kill me. And that escalated pretty quickly. So, y'all really need to take, be more mindful to watch after your kids. Like, like she said, check in, but don't just check in, like, see, I got used to her checking, so it didn't change anything because it was like she's gone and she she was here and then she's gone. But that day, she really showed me something different because she was, um, you know, she showed me something different because hey, she was actually like there longer to at first didn't have a real conversation. And so that's why in so many ways I just didn't even feel um, hurt. Um, shout out to my friend Lisa DeMoss. She has a podcast about called Being Loved, Seen, and Heard. I didn't feel any of it. I wasn't feeling loved. I wasn't feeling seen. I wasn't feeling heard. I couldn't go to my dad because he was his his law. It was like his his whatever decision was law. Like that was it. So I knew he couldn't go to him. He was the problem. He was like one of the problems. I didn't feel seen because I was going through all these different things. And I, part of it, we talk about the idea of being depressed. It's like, you really feel invisible. And so a lot of people, when they get in depressive states, you notice that they get really recluse. They get really to themselves. They really get um, like isolated. And that's how the devil works. And so it was strange like part of the reason why i didn't want to be seen in my own house and by my because i didn't want my dad to see me because it had worked and my mom just was telling the truth like most of us had gotten so used to our life of like hiding like i'm talking about my sisters like i literally don't have one memory of me even spending time with my sisters during that whole time period because we were high i was they were in their space and i was in mine my mom she was at work she was in her space and so that you'll notice a lot of people they start talking less they they start sh stop showing up to a lot of group activities they're not doing these things but it but they'll tell you they're fine they're functioning and, and i'll tell you this everybody that gets by themselves after being very active 
does not mean they're depressed. But that's, those are just some signs because I know that was with me. That was very true. Like, you had no idea unless I told you. And I made sure because I was hiding. Because my dad, if I even told him I was sad, he would laugh at me in my face. Like, he would literally make fun of me. So I, I got used to not telling anybody because he, again, he was so my boy. So I didn't feel hurt. I wasn't being hurt by him at all. He would make fun of me and brush it off like I was like I was just being a crybaby. And then being loved, I definitely wasn't feeling that because, like again, my dad, the lack of having friends, all that added up to those things. And so my mom breaking through that kind of mold, breaking through and like really, like like seeing me, like really taking her time with me that day, it really saved my life. And I think that's what. It, um, a lot of you, like, whether you know somebody has been depressed or you yourself have been depressed, that's always been the thing that helped with somebody seeing someone else's situation and doing something about it. So I remember even, you know, after that, I actually, because I was an artist, I actually entered a contest locally about depression. And it was amazing. Like, I think about it now. And I won like the whole thing like I won first place and it was about it was the same it was a year after or a year or two after and the message I was just I drew this girl in the corner crying and I think it was a hand coming out and it was saying don't worry like the message basically was like don't worry you're not alone like and they overwhelmingly in the district found like saw that that message helped a lot of people and so i'm here to share the same message like don't worry you're not alone like it's very common like we have to demystify depression is not just a feeling it's a demon depression is a demon it torments anybody that i know that's been depressed you're plagued with thoughts of of like all these crazy thoughts that are negative about you your self-worth your image and none of that is of god i mean you literally hear voices. I heard voices, like, yeah, I, but I thought it was me, but it wasn't me. They were tormenting me. They, every time somebody would say something, like, I, they would come back to, like, they would come back stronger with the negative. But God's word was the only thing that penetrated where they couldn't come back. They couldn't overpower that. So. The more I was saying God's word, it was final. Like it, it was like the voices started dwindling. It started getting quieter. Like they started actually having color again. I'm talking about y'all, I'm not even kidding. I literally seen great because I would wake up, I would look at myself in the mirror. It was like becoming like a routine. I wake up, I would come home from school, get in my own room. I would sit in the dark. Like and then when I did look on, like when I did turn the light on, I just saw great. But then when I saw me, I like, wanted to punch like the mirror but I couldn't punch the mirror because my dad would have heard it and I was scared so I would punch me instead and I would just cry and cry and cry and cry and cry I would cry myself to sleep I would cry all the time and then it was like trying my best to like fix my face up like when we had company or they came around to try to hide it so I'm telling you you're not alone a lot of y'all are doing that right now and like part of what we're gonna be doing, like we're really gonna give you some resources at the end of this. I'm trying to, you know, to demystify this. Um, Mom, did you wanna say something um, before we kind of get into the ending? And we really, guys, if y'all wanna say something, I know we had different people that came up. We, this is just the format for our show. Normally I let people come on throughout, but 
like we're gonna that's just kind of how we have the flow let me and my mom share and then you can definitely come up and add or ask questions but maybe you want to maybe you need from our perspective to ask a question maybe you need help definitely go ahead and put yourself in the queue but mom did you have something else kind of you could say before we kind of get into Uh, yes, I just wanted to add that um, for any of you that are, are parents and you may be thinking of, wow, uh, I am seeing some of this. I don't really know what to do. I don't know what the first step is. Um, one thing that I would definitely say because uh, my perspective is about the whole person, you know, so I look at being whole from every aspect, you know, spiritually, psychologically, mentally, emotionally. Um, you know, financially, because, you know, God created us uh, to be whole in every area. And so I am definitely an advocate um, for reaching out to any local counseling services that might be in your area, because um, I said on the first uh, episode that we did together, and then also on the talk that I did on my own about treating our people, too, um, that my husband and I have a nonprofit school um, named Dream First High School. And he started the school about five years ago, um, prior to he and I reconnecting, we were high school sweethearts, and that's a whole nother story on how God reconnected us, but he um, knew from God himself that, hey, I need to make sure that I not only offer um, a way for my students to get their high school diploma, because that's the focus of the school, with anyone 16 years or older who doesn't have a high school diploma, um, he was able to create this food, which um, he can paint out of his pocket, and it's free for all the students. But not only is it about the educational component, it's also about the emotional, the psychological, the mental. And so he has been uh, also often counseling because he can uh, tell you from his perspective that he knows that just like some of us as educators may know, as some of us as parents may know, if there is a lot of things going on, um, I was able to to keep herself going academically, but some of, some of our children aren't able to do so as much. And so he um, implemented counseling, mandatory counseling, because he thought that, hey, I have so many students with all the these things going on. They can't even concentrate on their work. You know, they can't focus on, you know, how to re-enter into an, an academic setting and earn a high school diploma because life, has been so difficult for them, those are these hurdles for them, till the ideal of, man, I can go back in my high school diploma almost seemed impossible. So to help give them some ways to cope with life, because life can really be hard. I mean, you know, it can really be difficult. Some things that we may take for granted as just a given, some truly don't have the resources that some of us have. And so he implemented actual counseling and has been able to the benefit, and we still do that to this day, the benefit of that child, that student, because we have to 16 all the way up to, you know, 50 to 60, you know, the moms, the working moms that are struggling, you know, they have two or three children at home, you know, the fathers that are trying to figure out how they're going to support their children, and so this ideal of, okay, counseling, which we are doing everything we can to take stigma off of that, because especially communities of color. Counseling has so often been seen as, oh, no, we don't, we don't do counseling. That's, that's not for us. We don't need to have any counseling. And, you know, that's, that's something that's not needed. And 
you know, the suffering silence, uh, you know, ideal of you just don't talk about it. You know, that's that's what my shared with you more than one that hurt. And I've been able to talk, uh, actually, thank God, actually saved her life. Um, but you have so many young people that aren't talking to anybody. They're not talking to a kid. They're not talking to anybody at all. They're suffering in silence. And then there's an opportunity for a, a mental professional to come along and provide that. Sometimes we block those things, you know, because I don't want anybody to know what's going on, you know, in the household. I don't want my child to talk about what's going on. And the question really has to be, what is best for the child? What is best for the child? If the child talking to a counselor is going to save that child's life, that also in essence may help sow some seeds for the family, you know, because there are many times when the child will go home or the child will get the counseling and, and able to take some of those kids, you know, home to mom and say, hey, you know, mom, this is what I talked about in counseling today. So I just wanted to say, um, if there's access to counseling and you feel that it could possibly benefit you and or your child or children, please take advantage of it as just another tool. That's really what counseling is. Counseling is not a one-size-fits-all, you know, go and everything is great and, you know, you jump off, you know, and skip off in the pubic. That's not what counseling is about. In, in the best counseling situation, it's about just what Maya said a moment ago as far as being hurt, being hurt. She said a moment ago the fact that I took more time that day to listen to her and I wasn't in just a rush. So, uh, and as she said, you know, I did the check-in, but yes, I, I can definitely say sometimes the check-ins were just about checking in and I had to check to do. But I was like, okay, I'm going to tell her I love her. And, and, and honestly, part of the reason that was that way because I didn't know if I was going to be able to handle what you might tell me beyond checking. Have my, you know, my own thing going on. But again, as a parent, you are the responsible party for your child. You are the child. So please don't look at counseling as something that, quote unquote, some people say, oh, I don't want to be counseling because I'm not crazy. This is not about anyone, quote unquote, being crazy. This is about, I need to tap into some additional resources from people who may can help me have a conversation, who may can help me understand what's going on with me psychologically. Because the key to depression is isolation. That's the key. That's what the enemy wants. Isolation, so if you're by yourself, you're not talking, and if you're not talking to anybody, then all those things are going in your head as far as you're concerned, are true. And so counseling again, is just a tool to give that child, to give that person, to give you, whoever it might be, an opportunity to start talking, to start understanding that, oh, this does happen to other people. This is not just me, and no one has ever heard this or understands this. So please um, seek whatever you can do and We'll be doing it we can as we go, uh, come to every Friday to provide additional resources to you um, coming from, that's coming from a, you know, psychological, psychological perspective. Um, I would definitely also encourage that you spend time uh, praying, uh, 
finding those, like, you know, fearfully moving that I literally, you know, do scripture searches, you know, looking for scriptures based on the topic, you know, one scripture that, that kept coming to my mind today as we prepared for this, you know, that you know, leads me to the rock that is higher than I, you know, you just find that scripture that speaks to that situation. You know, because he said, you are burdened by the baby to come to him, he will give us rest. So it's, it's about, okay, I'm going to read my scripture. It's about, I'm going to meditate on what he said. I'm going to find a way to start talking. And if you don't know how to do that as a family, if you don't know how to sit down and start having a conversation, um, counseling might just be a good way to start getting the conversation to the table. Look, I love and I want to echo everything my mom's saying is so true. And and I'm saying this like counseling is so important. And really, again, it's just having conversations with people where and somebody that's objective, that can guide you. And primarily that has a biblical background so they can point you to God because that's what freed me. I mean, I don't I, I can't really say I know too many people that have that can say that they have really overcome um, these things without the power of God. I mean, people use like all these different tools or whatever, but a lot of it is very temporary things. But I can say that I have been permanently able to overcome these things and it's just changed my life. And, and, and it's really important. So we want to give place now. If anybody wants to come to the stage, anybody just wants to share, want to talk, like continue this conversation, please come up. We would love to have you to the, in the queue. We're going to open up this for like the next five minutes to just anybody that wants to come up. And you don't have to be afraid. It's just, it's just having a talk, having a conversation. We want to thank everybody that's been listening because we know that we have to start having conversations, especially these hard ones that we want anything to change. We know that life is not a perfect picture. And we're that's the whole point of us sharing this. And so um, I want to bring to the stage and um, definitely thank my mom. Ooh, one of my good friends, Lisa DeMoss, is coming up. And so this is how we'll kind of do it. I'll keep my mom in the queue. So if you want to ask a question with me, um, I'll be here, obviously. But if you want to ask a question, you can ask your question. And then I'll switch you out. My mom can answer. And then we can just, then I'll bring you back. And then we'll just go like that. So if anybody wants to get at it, you definitely can. So I'm going to switch my mom to the queue and add Lisa. And again, thank you so much for everybody that's been listening. A uh, shout out. Hey, Sh- hey, Shane. Hey, Shahar. Hey, hey, Diane. Hey, Ashley, Asuko, Gina, Joshua, Justine, Debbie. Hey, Val. Hey, Sahar. Hey, John. Hey, Rachel. Hey, Elizabeth. Hey, Ophelia. Hey, Greg. We're just doing some quick shout outs. Um, hey, Lisa. How's everything going? Hello? Did she get knocked out? She probably, she might have got knocked out. Can, can you see her? Lisa, are you there? Because it's showing a little sleeping cat on my end. She might have to come back in because I know that there is a glitch with the swap feature that sometimes happens. So I'd love to have Lisa come back. Let me see if I can like make sure she gets the, the link because I she's going to be sharing some really good stuff. Like, And Lisa has become like an auntie to me. She also has so much words of wisdom. And again, she really focuses on helping people be loved, seen, and heard. And it's 
just amazing to have people like this. So, yeah, I'm looking at the sleeping cat. So, I don't know who wants to come back. Um, if y'all want to leave and come back, you definitely can. Because um, I don't see anybody on my end. Oh, here we go. Let's see what we we working with. So, it's Lisa. I think it messed up in the swap. Might have knocked her smooth out. But she's back. Counting down. And one. Welcome, Lisa. Hey, can you hear me this time? Yes, I can. Okay. I don't know. You know the glitch. You know what happened. <laughs> yeah. I, I just want to be real brief because, you know, this took me back to... And it's so interesting that you talked about being 12 because it yeah. took me back to a time when I was 12. And to be honest, even though I was going through stuff from very young on up, but at 12 years old, I do think that pu puberty plays a part in a lot of things. And mm -hmm. um, I'll just say this, it was one of that was one of the one of the most traumatic years of my life because I played saxophone and that was the year I never played it again because of my my stepfather beating me with the belt that it held and, and that's the trigger warning sorry where I held the because I played the big saxophone so I had to have a big wide leather belt to hold it up and I was really tall and slim and so that was the year that I stopped playing. And I often think about that. So when you said 12 years old, it just, I went back to that day and what all happened. But this is very powerful. <clears throat> Sorry, this is very powerful um, that you and your mother are able to have this kind of conversation because it doesn't happen a lot. And even now, it's, at my age, I cannot have these conversations with my mother. So I really want to thank you for this, and um, this is a powerful moment, and as well, it helps me as a mother myself with a daughter to pay attention and to talk to her more, and, you know, because she had a bad day today. So it's just, thank you. That's all I'm going to say. That's it. That's Lisa, look, I just want to thank you so much for coming up and sharing that. I mean, it's true. We... We our whole goal for this is to help everybody start having these conversations and so maybe you can't have this with your actual mom but you're always welcome to come to our stage and we can talk and chat it up because we gotta do it like the more you cover something up you realize the worst things get you know like it's just like you know when you have like a little scar and then you keep trying to pick at it and then you then you start putting a band-aid on it, it doesn't really heal right and then it just like rip that off it, and that's kind of how it works when you never get a chance to really share your truth like when you never get a chance to have the hard conversations with the people that actually did things to you i mean my dad passed away and i never got a chance to say anything like this really to him but I've like made a lot of peace with it because I can have these conversations and unpack a lot of these things with my mom. And so I just thank you for your bravery, like for always, for allowing us to always have these conversations together. And so like, and when you said that, I was like, yeah, that, I mean, we, we go through so many things like, and puberty does pay a part because you're super emotional. It, like you're hormonal, like, you know, <laughs> Like, you're kind of all over the place already, and then you start adding layers like abuse and, and depression and loneliness and all these things. 
it really creates a perfect storm, especially in kids. You like we don't get taught what to do with any of this. Like, so Lisa, like, what made you want to come to the stage and just share that? Like, have you been feel like you've been able to overcome these things? Like, are you still working through them? Like, no, no. You know what? Actually, I just feel like um, I feel free at this moment because I've I've went through my healing process. And that was like you were saying earlier, that's why I started the podcast so that I could talk about the things I went through because really and truly I've talked about things over the years here and there, but like my husband and I, we talk about it all. I mean, I laid it out on the table. That's why we've been together 22 years because he is the one person that knows everything. He is the only person that knows every detail. So once I was able to really break free of that prison that I've been in for years because of, you know, trying to hide or not able to talk about it. And people in my family, they know the truth, but they play me like, you know, you using that as a crutch. You need to get over there. You need to do better for yourself. Why are you crying about that still? You know, but but never really had a, a honest conversation with me or even asked me how I felt about things you know just simply um you know how did you deal with it what were you thinking when this was happening or whatever just we just never had those conversations and I can't have them so now that I'm older with my daughter I decided when she was born because she was a blessing to me and I'm gonna share that story on another time but I decided that with this blessing that I have in having this child, she's not going to be treated the way I was. Whatever is going on with her, I want her to come and talk to me. We have real conversations. I sit her down. We talk about everything that's within, you know, um, for her age. You know, I try to keep it where she can feel comfortable. And she's told me things that, you know, sometimes I don't want to hear, but you have to do that because if, if she doesn't tell me and she tells someone else, whatever they think is going to be what's going to help her to shape her life. And I don't want that. I want her to be shaped by us in the household with me, my husband and myself. So I made that decision years ago. She's nine years old now. And I know we got a long way to go, but I remember being nine years old and what I was going through, her life is totally different from mine. So you know, I get to live it over again. That's how I look at it. Through her, you know, I get to see what I should have been doing, the fun I could have been having, and all of that. And I don't feel bad about it because it made me who I am today. I feel sorry for the people who didn't see me the way they needed to. And that's it. Ooh, look, Lisa, so powerful because that's exactly what it is. And I love that, like, I always talk about, I really love the love that you have for your daughter like you you really fight for her and i mean we're talking about childhood depression because you have to think children again that was part of what played into me because i didn't have nobody anybody that felt like they were protecting me i mean we forget kids not only they are people but they are less powerful people they have less control over their lives they can't really make a lot of decisions without their parents they can't go anywhere without their parents they can't do almost anything they really have to do with it like whatever 
um, dictates their household. So maybe they're not, they're not living with a parent, but they're living with whoever. It's whoever is dictating the household. And so if you're in a household where they're leading you to be like victimized and they're torturing you and they're bothering you, like it just makes things so much harder. So I know a lot of people, we they don't grow up in a like Disney family household, you know, like the perfect dad, mom, and everybody's chill. And people like they can have conversations. You know, a lot of us grew up where we were really um, had to be in isolation to to survive. We were in survival mode a lot, and we didn't get a chance to really enjoy a lot of the childhood fun because we were dealing with real, real adult issues growing up. Especially, I think it's really prevalent in the black community. We deal with a lot from molestation to abuse, um, depression, and then. We'll, layer that on top we don't really have an outlet until recently where we've kind of normalized going to counseling and doing therapy because it's becoming so prevalent and we've raised like a generation of broken people and so like me I'm 12 right I was 12 and I was going through it but I always think about those kids today that are more um, hooked on social media they're even more isolated there, especially during the pandemic, um, some statistics they were saying that a lot of kids like the abuse has gone up in households because guess what? Kids have to stay at their house. They don't have anyone to go. If they can't go to school, they have to be there. Um, domestic violence has gone up, um, and it's and it's just sad, you know. And so we're trying to get the word out, start normalizing. And whether you have kids or not, it, like if you have nieces, if you have nephews, if you have younger cousins. Like you really need to start connecting with it, like somebody young and really start pouring into their lives and and only positive things. And the best thing you can do is definitely give them God. I mean, check up on them, make like, I'm gonna tell you something. I know a lot of my friends that I grew up with, we always had conversations, but I think what really can change the life of kids like that deal with this is having that one person that they can really depend on. That's gonna always show up for them. So again, if you might be somebody's aunt, um, uncle, you might be, you know, have nephews, nieces, whatever, um, grandkids, like make a habit of letting them know that you are in their lives. Call them, FaceTime them, show up to their house. Try to like really work out something that you can be in person on a scheduled basis. Like, because that could really save somebody's life. And I'm telling you this, not in, to dramatize things like, least I'm sure that you know what I'm talking about like how important it is for people to really be there for you when yes. they might not even understand they might not even understand the importance of that you don't know because kids we don't say everything to adults especially when we've been, we've been growing up in some messed up just situations but being you know having somebody there I feel like really helps yes I, I do agree with that um I tell you, like, it was different points and times in my life. And when I think back, there were people that was trying to be there for me. But because I was going through so much and the trust was not there, I had a hard time connecting with um, adults. So, you know, but because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a child, I needed the, the, the adults to keep trying. Exactly. I needed them to making that safe space for me because eventually I probably would have opened up but yeah. 
I think, you know, sometimes we as adults, because we're already busy doing all kind of stuff. So, you know, when I'm looking back at my life now, many times those ones who are trying, they like, okay, well, she don't want to open up or I don't know how to talk to her and they just move on. And so, but the only person can't move on is the child in the situation. So it's still bad. So even if you try and you, you don't seem to come across to that child or the child doesn't seem responding, keep trying because they hear you. They hear you. I can remember a lot of times I had a friend, her mom, I don't know if I told my friend or not. I can't even remember what was happening with me, but I'll never forget one time I went to her house and her mom was kind of questioning me about some of the things that was going on in my home. But because I had loyalty to my mom and my stepfather, even though it was bad, but I still had that loyalty to them, it scared me and I didn't go back for a while. And I, I regret it now because it may have been a different situation had I just opened up and let them know what was going on with me. So, you know, it, it's just different times where you can see sometimes that there's people in your life that try to help you. But, you know, I mean, just people can only do what they can. But if you know of a situation, just keep trying as much as possible um, until you can get that child some help. Because like you were saying about the pandemic, that scares me so much. Every time I hear the uh, statistics of all these children who are being abused more in the last year or so because they're at home. And it's really sad because sometimes going to school is the only outlet they have um, to get away from the violence and the abuse that they suffer at home. Truly. For real, Lisa, I mean, you hit on so many points because that's what I keep thinking about. Like me, that's why I'm just doing whatever small contribution, like me and my mom, we're doing this to what we can do. I mean, we also have our nonprofit school and we do a lot of like, you know, in-person work with different kids and things like that. But I'm telling you, y'all, I'm telling y'all, just more than one of you in this room, it's like almost 200 people somebody in here knows a kid that might not even be on the right track but because of whatever excuse you have and I say excuse loosely we are like really busy as adults but like you have neglected to really show up for them and I'm gonna tell you what happens when kids are going through depression like and you have somebody that reached out but it's not consistent it just reinforces their worthlessness they really feel like see i pr- i know i knew you wasn't really who you said i'm you sorry were. kamaya excuse me can you please Go say ahead. that again because that's so real because that is yeah it. i didn't say that yes. part but that's really what it is yeah because that inconsistency it just reinforces like yeah they they were just acting they were just there and it just reinforces that worthlessness. And that was what was happening. So when my mom actually was showing consistency, I said, oh, okay, yeah, maybe she does care. She has been showing up more, asking more questions. And then she really took out her time. And I know that it wasn't normal. She really took that time out. I said, okay, maybe she really cared. But she didn't just like, let me say whatever I said and then go back to like business as usual. Like she really followed through with it. Like even after that, she was still checking up on me regularly, still making a point of doing it. So y'all have to 
start maintaining some consistency like really show people show these kids that you love them and not just tell them really show them be there for them create that space where you can talk to them and it starts small I mean it they have more likely than not already been hearing the complete opposite so it's not going to be well received the first time the second time the third time but as time progresses eventually they'll see that you're serious about really being there for them and they will start sharing with you because like then that was what was happening with me like I'd have people that like they care but I was like you never really asked what was wrong with me like you never really and I always that was something that they really played up like if they really cared about you they would ask but see they didn't even ask they just they just assuming that you're good so that's what it is and I really really internalized it and I mean it never it didn't help having a dad that that's what he did but I'm saying like I had a lot of adults that besides my mom could have reached out to me they know I was like my teachers like my parents my dad I mean my aunts my grandparents I feel like they could have dug deeper and I'm saying this because I mean a lot of it I don't blame them it's just it was a lot of ignorance a lot of people don't know but kids hide very well especially if they grew up where they had to hide and they had to be quiet so a lot of kids they practice silence and they practice isolation they practice keeping secrets especially in abusive households keeping secrets becomes like that's the rule of the house like you have to keep secrets because they can't tell people at school that they get beat they can't tell people at school they get molested or whatever and all these different things and so it's hard for them to start breaking through because they're afraid like they're afraid telling the truth is gonna either go one or two ways they think like telling the truth is gonna make the situation worse or telling the truth is gonna like um nobody's gonna hear them because a lot of times they've also been unheard they're not being heard anyway and so um lisa did you want to say last things we're getting ready to end i'm gonna bring my mom back up i didn't know if anybody else wanted to come like we're just having an open dialogue um, oh, through yeah. the power I, of Christ, you know, it's just been amazing that I'm even be able to talk with you today. So, um, oh, nothing. I was just gonna say, yeah, I'll go ahead and leave the stage, and I, I appreciate this the whole conversation. You know, all of us are. It just seems like now is the time to heal for all of us. Everyone that may be still having those childlike uh, situations that they're battling with. Don't allow it to overtake your whole life. Try to find some joy in life. Try to find the help and the healing. Be honest with yourself. The good, there's always going to be good days, but then there's always going to be those bad days that may creep up. And just because you found healing and have a bad day does not mean that you're back in the same situation again. So um, that's really all I want to say. And we just have to support and help each other. And you know, learn from one another so that we can all grow as a community. And that's all. Thank you so much. And thank your mom too as well. <laughs> thank you so much, Lisa. Y'all definitely follow Lisa. She has really great shows talking about being loved, seen, and heard. And we, in these type of conversations, we frequent often. So we're going to um, get ready to close. I didn't see anyone else. Unless you want to come up, you can. Um, but we're getting ready to close. I think it's a good time. Um, we're gonna um, 
end with a word of prayer and really some resources too. And so um, we wanted to go ahead and get started. Lord, thank you so much for allowing us to have this talk and for allowing us to be alive today. Um, your word is very true. You say you go out and you yourself see and, and make sure your word is, goes forth, Lord. You watch your word and the power of life and death is truly in the tongue. We just are so grateful that we're even alive today. And through, through your son, Jesus, we actually are saved. We actually have been healed and we can become whole. And we're just saying this special prayer for anybody that's break, that has a broken heart, a contrite spirit. Maybe they've been down. Maybe they're depressed. Lord, you said that you are close to those that are brokenhearted, have a broken soul, broken spirit, broken mind. And you are near to those with a contrite spirit. So you're only uh, a present moment away, uh, only a cognitive thought away from people like that. And we just reach out right now. We pray that. Lord, that your comforter, your Holy Spirit, hold them right now, that you will give them rest, where you are a resting place, that they will feel your peace, which surpasses understanding, and that guards their hearts and their minds, for we know that peace is not, the peace of the world is fleeting, it's only temporary, but your peace is lasting, everlasting forever, that literally that peace can follow them, it can heal the even deepest of, of wounds and the darkest of scars, the most ugly, the ugliest pains, and that we know that through together that we're able to overcome, not just by the power of the blood, but through the word of our testimony. And we're just so thankful that we're able to share our testimony. And we pray that we'll be able to reach more people and that we will spark a revival where more people will share their testimonies because that is how we are able to overcome. And it's amazing, Lord, that you have made every single thing the enemy attempted to do turn around for our good. And that even now, God is turning so many lives around. The things that the devil decided that he was going to use to kill, steal, and destroy you. Those things are going to be the very things that bring you into glory. Be the very things that save you, that elevate you, that prosper you, that bring you wealth. They'll be the very things that that will unite you with loved ones, that will open the doors to blessings. And we just find every foul spirit. We bound every single lying spirit. We bind every spirit of depression, suicide, anxiety, rejection. Uh, we break down and bind every ancestral um, cursing spirit, every spirit of witchcraft. We, we bind all those things and we call for God's spirit of love, peace, and a sound mind, because that is a portion of God's children. No longer will people be living in fear, for God said in his word, do not fear, be dismayed, for I am with you. The Lord your God will strengthen you, and he will uphold you with his right hand. So there's no need to fear, children of God. The devil is a liar. He's already defeated. And so continue to press forth, uh, reach out, Believe God and he will be there for you. We cover you with the blood of Jesus right now. And every everybody in the sound of my voice, be, in, be walk away with peace and have this understanding. We pray, Lord, for the spirit of understanding and for peace right now. And we thank you for your spirit of love. We thank you and we pray for angels that they will come and camp, camp around those right now that are, that are really in the depths 
that the devil has truly bound. We pray for deliverance right now. We pray for healing right now, for breaking of change right now, for renewed spirit and mind right now, for renewed hope. And that's something people will experience a breakthrough. And that those days and those nights where they've been crying themselves to sleep, that they end right now, that this will no longer be their their living situation, be their reality, but this will become the, the launching pad for their testimony. And that glory be their portion and that prosperity and blessings be there. And that they, whatever the devil use, you said for all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord, that are chosen according to his purpose, Lord. And we thank you so much for allowing us to be here. Thank you so much for allowing my mom, for Lisa, and everybody else. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Um, I want to go ahead and allow my mom, she wants to share one last thing. And we're going to close out. Like, I'm just <laughs> really just overjoyed because there was so many memories that God has helped me be able to bring to the surface to be able to share with you. And I hope that it, it helps somebody be set free. Any of those that are going to listen to replay, um, definitely reach out to us. We are actually, like, really much actively creating resources to help you and we look forward to being able to be a source we can always connect to you can always dm me on instagram and my mom um you have some yes i just wanted to uh share the scripture that maya said that um i spoke to her when she was 12 praying that this scripture will be a scene for you for yourself as well as for your children it is Psalm 139 and 14. Psalm 139 and 14. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. And that is why we're able to do this as overcomers. We're able to talk about it from the side of overcoming, because as God led me thankfully to give her that word i want to also give it to you as well so when the enemy tells you something that is a lie um i myself get scriptures and you know if i have to put them on the mirror or put them you know on my phone um this would be one that i think all of us could use psalms 139 and 14 one more time i will praise thee for i am fearfully and wonderfully made marvelous are thy works and that my soul knows right way. Thank you and God bless you. Thank you so much, Mom. And I'm going to have to say that scripture myself. Like, it's always Cousin Handy. It's so good to listen to those things. And so we want to thank every last one of you for listening. Share this out. Like, if you know someone that's a parent, like, definitely share this out with them. Um, we want to just get the word out and help illuminate this situation because it, we know right now it's more prevalent than ever. And we want to help save some lives, help save some souls, and really just bring light to what, what this topic is all about. It's very near and dear to my heart. Um, next week, we're just going to be talking about more of our experiences. Um, it's just a journey that we are allowing. We want to bring you on. And we've overcome so many things. And through the power of Christ, we've been able to do it through, the, through by his blood and through the word of our testimony. Thank you so much for listening. God bless. And take care.